Good morning, everybody. So good to see you. This place fills up after about 1045. It's pretty awesome. It's good to see you. So good to see you. Listen, I, um, I feel like what we need to do is, um, if it's okay with you guys, if you can roll with it, we're, we're going to change up what we normally do right now. Normally, I would like do something like an offering and announcements and things like that. But I feel like we need to go ahead and get into the word of the Lord today. Uh, but what we're going to do is dismiss our, our young folks, grade six and below, grade six and below. We have classes for you. And if you'll go ahead and just follow the trail of youngsters out there, your teachers are waiting for you. Your leaders are waiting for you and ready for you to come. And if parents, if you want to escort your child, you feel free to do that. You go right ahead. It's all right with you guys. We're, we're going to take our offering up at the end of service, and our announcements will be at the end today. Uh, if that's cool, we'll just roll with that. Uh, what a beautiful job our worship team did today. Spectacular. So those ushers and guys, we'll just we'll do the offering at the end and announcements at the end, okay? Without, without further ado, we, I just feel strongly we need to go ahead and get into to this next part of our service and uh, we have uh, dear brothers, sister in Christ, friend, uh, mentors and leaders in my life. They're part of our outside elder leadership team. Pastors Rick and Susan Bennett are all the way here from Tempe, Arizona, just outside of Phoenix. Uh, we support their, their, their mission-based ministry to the Native American Indians. That's part of the missions ministry of our support of our church to them that we, you guys, all of us help contribute to throughout the year. Uh, but Pastor Rick is here, uh, and Susan, they're here today, and uh, so I want to go ahead and give them time. I want to go ahead and give them this opportunity, this platform to just speak and share God's heart and God's word that, he's, that he has placed upon them today. So can we give them a very warm New Life Church welcome? It's always good to be home in Jackson. Um, first of all, I wanted to thank you guys um, Last year specifically, you guys sponsored one of our outreaches to the Navajo Nation, um, and then you made a sponsorship for the Native Nation leaders to come in for Presbyterian in the fall, and then at Christmas, you guys sent another offering that was used for our families in transitions. The transition, these are single moms, some of them living off the reservation in the city, and we were able to bless them, and, and all throughout the year, your prayers and your support really do mean a lot to us, and we're so grateful to be partnering with you, and we're excited about what God's doing in Jackson and this surrounding area, and how God has a special plan for this church this year that's going to be Amen. amazing. Amen. The Lord just keeps telling us new beginnings, new beginnings, new beginnings. So this morning during the worship, I just saw the Lord take water and wash our eyes. And I just felt like what he was saying to my heart was, what he's going to do in this year and beyond has nothing to do with the past. It's not going to look like it. It's not going to sound like it. And that we must be very careful to not look at the new thing through the glasses of our old experiences, through cynicism. You know, and, and Rick was, I don't remember where we were. I think we were in Florida. And he's talking about scriptures. I would that all men would raise holy hands and, you know, pray, pray to the Lord. But then it says, without dissension and without wrath. And sometimes I think our prayers, we get so aggravated with the government or politics or we let the leaven of, of Herod come into our midst that we, we pray, but there's angst behind it. So the word of the Lord gave me, and I just meditated all the way here as we were coming back from Florida to share with you today is lift up holy hands no strife, no wrath, no dissension, pure hearts, beloved. And to remember, keep your eyes washed clean this year so that you can see with fresh vision. And that's for the youngest of you, and that's for the oldest yeah. of you. Amen? Some of the oldest of us have the thickest glasses, and it's not because we can't see naturally. It's because our vision is impaired by hurt, by past experiences that haven't gone well. So today, God wants to wash our eyes. Amen? Do you receive that? Um, I usually bring a little bit of jewelry. The girls got overloaded this time. They said, uh, it's all going to a boutique this week, so everything is marked down like below half price most of it. There's $2.50 items, dollar items, 
you can bless the, the, the jewelry sales go to support our Christian education program. We have between two and 300 children a week in Sunday school and the reservation churches and some of the city churches. And so that's kind of where this goes. So when you're blessing your loved one on Valentine's Day with a piece of this lovely native-inspired jewelry, you'll also be helping the children. I'm so proud of that commercial. I hate them. Okay, so that's done. This summer, we have opportunity for four big outreaches, and I think your schedule should fit in with one of those. If it doesn't, and you don't want to join a team, we have family teams, you guys. We have the littlest babies up to Ronald, who's 89, and my dad comes too, and He's 83. Yeah, he's older than Prentice. Um, and we have amazing multi-generational, multicultural teams and churches, sometimes people from different churches. It's an awesome experience. It's a great family vacation. So if that's on your heart, talk to me today, and I'll share with you the dates. I've got them posted back there. I also need families that want to come out and spend a week, whether it's on spring break or some other time, and you just want to serve the base. There's things to do there in the midst where the base is in Tempe. Uh, to help get ready for trips and or to do maintenance projects on the reservations, paint doors. There's something for everybody, every skill level to do, okay? So that's also available to you. And then I also want to speak to students. We have an amazing internship program. Um, I'm, it's very, very uh, low cost. You have job description specific duties in the ministry where you're contributing while at the same time being mentored either in worship ministry or missions or in, in one of those kind of areas. We'd love for you to come and intern with us. Right now, we already have three or four people coming this summer, all girls, and we got a call yesterday from a dad who has two sons. Obviously, they won't all be staying at the same house, but it's going to be, it, it, it's a really powerful time. We can't do what we do. We're the only two full-time people in this ministry. And so if you look at our programs and our projects for 2018, it's two pages and it's, there's a lot of stuff that goes on besides the mission trips, ongoing ministry, pastoral care of pastors. There's just a lot of Christian education. The thing that really happened this year, this is my quick little report, is this. It shifted after, I don't know how many years we've been going out there. Some of the things that we've seen, issues that we've seen that need to, to be, um, that we would love to help with, but you want to be respectful of leaders, now they've begun to come, some of the churches have begun to come to us. So this year we did a marriage uh, enrichment workshop on the reservation that was awesome and um, with Rick and Melody Rainey. And did they have a story to tell? And it's a God story. And um, Rick and Daniel have gone out and done praise and worship training with worship team and ministered on what worship is. And God's just given us lots of new opportunities to really have a long-term effect. So when you come see us for a short-term vision, you're not going to drive in, blow, a, uh, blow in, blow up, or blow out. You're, we're going to connect you to ongoing ministry, and we're super, super proud of that. And um, vice president of our board is Hershey Schaffner. Bug him. Tell him I need a raise. No, not really. <laughs> yeah, any regulatory problems, Hershey will handle it. No. So anyway, uh, but we do bless and honor him today. He's been with us from the beginning, he and Sarah, and we're grateful. All right? Uh, I want to pray over the word as we go into the, to this time of the, um, of the service today. Father, I thank you that your word is everlasting. It was from the beginning, and it's real and alive right now in this moment for us. And so we thank you, Father. We want our hearts to be good ground to receive the seed of your word today. So we come before you, Lord, and we say, speak. We're listening. We bless you today, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How are you? Everybody good? Wow. presence of the Lord is here, and he's still here. Because we're preaching the word, he's still here. Okay? Even when we were taking up the offering, he'd still be here. Amen? In fact, I want to talk to you a little bit today about... Um, I felt like God gave me a specific word for this house, and, I, and the more I prepared it and prepared my heart and was listening to the Holy Spirit, the more I realized it's, it's really, I believe, for a time such as this, um, for a time where we are. Would, would everybody agree with me that uh, there's been a lot of hardship? There's been a lot of difficulties. We can go from the losing of a loved one to financial issues to, you know, our own maybe sickness or issues we're dealing with in our bodies and various things like that. How many would agree that God is able in every one of those situations to deliver us. Would you agree? We know God is able. He's able to what? Do above and beyond all that we ask or think. That's very, very clear. 
And the word I kept hearing from the Lord was, don't limit me. Don't limit what I can do. When the angel of the Lord appeared to uh, John in the book of Revelation, it says in chapter 19, I think around about verse 10, John, being so overwhelmed by what he was experiencing, he bowed down to worship the angel. Remember that part? And the angel said, do not do that. How many of you know, you'll always, you don't have to worry about an angel appearing to you and it being from God. If, if, it allows you, if that angel allows you to worship, you've got a clue right there, there's a problem, right? And so the angel said, do not do that. And then he said this, we are fellow servants of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Everybody say, testimony of Jesus. When you hold to that, and they're saying, we angels work with you. And I always used to say, it's kind of like, we're the boots on the ground, gang. The host on the ground and the angels of the Air Force. You know what I mean? And, and, and so we, 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 don't, we aren't working alone. And I want to say, tell you today, every time we lift up our voices in praise and worship, the angels join us. And they haven't left because they carry out and perform the word of the Lord. And there, there's activity in this house today. I'm not trying to be weird, but it's true. In fact, God promised that we would have see the heavens open and see that ascending and descending in the house of God. So the angel says that, and then he says this. He says, you worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, most of us know this. Every time you hear a testimony, it's not just remembering what God did or has done. It's to remind you that he intends to do it again. In the meaning in the Hebrew of testimony speaks to God. Not only did he do that miracle, but God has every intention of doing that miracle again. And doing that breakthrough again. Are y'all with me? Because let's be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes, how many of you have ever been in a place, a hard place, a dry place, a desert place? You're struggling. And then you hear a great praise report of what God did for somebody else. And you're almost jealous. And I almost think that's a good thing. You ought to be hungry to see that breakthrough in your life. But you got to be very, very careful because jealousy is a dangerous thing. Because you you'll get to the place where you can't even celebrate somebody else's victory. Right? Sometimes I'll hear what God's doing in other churches and other ministries, and people will tell me about a service they had, and I'm like going, man, I wish I was in your church today. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? I wish I would have had that breakthrough. And the Lord spoke to me just recently, and I'll be honest with you. I know what the sacrifice of praise means because it means it's one thing to praise God after a victory. It's another thing to praise Him before there's any sign of a victory. That's called a sacrifice, amen? Some of you today were shouting a sacrifice of praise. You know, we begin to declare things before we experience them. If you wait for the presence to come to praise him, you really missed out on the best part. And that was to lift your voice to God before you felt anything. Amen? It's the sacrifice of praise. But it breaks through something. It's really the only thing he's asked of us as his priesthood to bring before him. Are you glad we're not dragging animals in here today? And slaying them on the altar so we can find God's presence and somehow have favor before God. Aren't you glad that's been dealt with? But there is a sacrifice we bring. And the Lord told me, when you hear a testimony, I want you to praise me as though it happened to you personally. And it will get to you if you will praise me. And so I began to think, well, you know, Lord, I hadn't heard a whole lot of good lately. I'm almost scared and afraid to call my brothers and sisters and ask them how it's going. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? It's like lately it's just been like this, you know, where's the next bus I'm going to step in front of? And, 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 and as I prayed about that, and the Lord told me, he said, just get into my word, into the gospels, into the book of Acts, and just read it. And every time you see a victory, just start shouting my praise. Now, when you do that alone, you kind of feel, you kind of look around like, is anybody watching me? And I started to do that, and I started to celebrate some things that I had forgotten that God did in the Word, and I full well knew He did it. I've taught the Gospels at the Bible College and all that stuff, and I mean, I've heard it over and over, but it's in my cognitive thinking, but it was no longer in my heart. And I think that's why Jesus said, abide in me by abiding in my Word. Not just being a student. Us Western minds, we look at it like, you know, learning through our cognitive mind. But in the Hebrew culture, in the Eastern way, the way they learn, it was an expression of the heart. Like knowing God is not just knowing about God. It's knowing God. It's an experience with God. It's seeing things and having revelation. When we, we sang today about we're not a people of darkness. We come out of darkness into light. You know, that literally means you're no longer blind. You can see what it means we even use that expression don't we well i didn't know anything about it i was kept in the dark 
We'll even say that, will we not, how we communicate. You know, I was just kept in the dark on that. I had no idea. What were you saying? I was blind to it. I didn't even know that was going on. And it's time for us to realize he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're to be a people of revelation. I'm not talking about a book at the end of the Bible. I'm talking about revelation. Seeing the things of the kingdom of God. Okay. You receive that? I'm not finished. Okay. Can we... The part that's been challenging me, and I was actually challenged, I heard a little bit of the end of a broadcast from Andrew Womack about three weeks ago, right before I left on this trip. He was talking about how God really shook him up and said, you are limiting me. And I listened to a little bit of it, and then later I began to just delve into this myself even more, and I'm sure I'm doing a lot better job than he is. No, I'm just kidding. Um, um, But am I limiting God? And you know, let's be honest. Most of us do limit him one way or another in our lives. We limit him. Probably one of, the, one of the strongest things that limits God that I see happening in our culture today is an extreme sovereignty of God teaching. In other words, God is sovereign. Do you believe he's sovereign? Absolutely. But there's a sovereignty of God teaching that's so extreme that God, everything in your life's going to happen because he's sovereign. How many know if that's the case, there's no need for faith. There's no need for obedience. There's no need to take steps because God's just going to work it out. How many know that extreme teaching will keep you from having faith? You'll just kind of like, I'm just in here for the ride. I'm going to buckle up and see what happens. I got news for you. The enemy would love for you to live like that. Amen? Because you'll even get to the place where everything that happens in your life, you give credit to God. I mean, even, even in the insurance company, I don't know if it's anymore, but it used to be any kind of a tragedy that could happen to your property, a tornado, a storm, an earthquake, or whatever, they would call it what? Acts of God. Y- y- y'all, know, y'all look at me weird like you've never heard that before. But everybody know what I'm talking about. Uh, and, and, and it's that mindset, well, I'm honoring God as God, but also know God does evil too. There's a real problem with that. You know, it's hard to have faith in a God. What have we been singing the last couple of years, you know, in the, in the churches of America especially? He is what? A good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are, right? And then I would lead people in that. Sometimes a cappella, I'd ask them to sing it. And then the next part is where it would go quiet. You know what that part says? And I am loved by you. It's who I am. I'd be amazed. People be willing to say he's good. And then they were timid about, does he really love me? Can I tell you that I've learned in my life, when I get separated from the love of God, fear pours into my heart. I live in fear. Because, see, it's the perfected love of God in your heart and my heart that drives out fear. It's not me rebuking a spirit of fear. It's me falling in love with Jesus and allowing his love to pour into my heart. There's a security there, and there's a, uh, the, the scripture that's used is that, that, that it's that love of God being developed so in us that we love God. Another song that was very, very popular is the song, How He Loves Us. And it makes people uncomfortable to sing it. But the bottom line is we need that revelation in the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Here's the thing. Our lives are going the way of our thoughts, our imaginations, and our mouth. They are. Because as a man thinks, so is he, right? Your imagination speaks. I'm talking about vain imagination. I'm talking about, you know, well, if it's a vain imagination, you're going that direction because that, that's what you're, you're meditating on. That's what you're envisioning in your life. Your imagination is actually a good thing if it's sanctified. Amen? It's a good thing if it's sanctified. But also, we know that your life goes the way of your words. James described your tongue as a rudder on a big, mighty ship. Driven by the winds, it may be, but that rudder is determining where it's being driven to. How I many know what you're thinking, what you're meditating on, what you're even imagining and envisioning that God has for you as a church and individually, and what's coming out of your mouth is determining the direction of your life for good or evil. And we need to take, uh, I keep hearing the Lord say, we need as a people, if we want to be an apostolic and prophetic people, we've got to take apostolic and prophetic responsibility. Amen? And not just cast it off. Well, God, prophet, that must be a false word. Oh, there's a lot of prophets that have been stoned for stuff that wasn't false. It just nobody knew how to receive it. 
and walk in it according to that. And I believe God's challenging us in this because I believe he's able to do above and beyond what we ask or think. Do you believe that? You're not going to stretch God with your radical prayers. Prentice prayed a word over me four or five years ago and said that I would have excessive faith. And I got in the car, I've heard extreme and things like that. And I, I remember we were driving away from this property, and I kept going, excessive. And then I remembered that scripture. I'm never going to exceed what God can deliver. Amen? And we ought to be challenged in that to grow in God. Anybody want to grow in God? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you. So we know God has a plan for us, and it's good. Would you agree? It's a good plan to bring us to an expected end, to bring us to a place of purpose and destiny that God intended for us. And it's an awesome thing to know that. But Ephesians 2 says this, you and I were created in Christ Jesus. Wave at me if you're born again. I want to say, are we all believers in here? Wave at me. Come on, don't, you shouldn't be ashamed to wave at me. All right, we're all, I think we're all saved in here. We will give you an opportunity to be saved in just a moment so you can wave. But it says this, You were created in Christ Jesus for good works. You're not saved by your good works. You were created for them, things that God prepared beforehand for you and I to walk in. Hallelujah. God's got a plan. Do you believe that? He's got a plan for you. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, how many mistakes you've made, or how much you've missed it. He's got a plan. Psalm 139 says that God has a book on you and me. Did you know that? He has a book written on you and me where he has his thoughts and he has ordained days for you and me to fulfill his purposes. But how many know not everybody lives by that book? And God's calling us in this hour to live that way. Say amen if you want to. Amen. We need to make sure we're not living our lives below the standard that God has set for us. Because if we do, we're limiting God's abilities in our lives to do what they do. Again, it doesn't change the fact of the sovereignty of God, but in his sovereignty, he has established, is that how we function with him? Aren't you glad we're not robots? Aren't you glad you just don't get programmed? You're going to do this, boy. That's not how God deals with us. He deals with us. Even Jesus said, I call you friend. Because, see, slaves that just serve, they don't know what the master's doing. But friends, they still serve. But they know why they're doing what they do. And God wants us to be aware. He wants us to be in the light. Anybody want to be in the light? And that's to see and understand the revelation that God has. Everybody in this room is a leader for good or evil. We all lead because we all have a sphere of influence in our lives. People we know that you don't know that I know. And, and we all places we work and play and work out at the gym and uh, go to school and relationships we're in. These are spheres of influence that every one of us have. And if we understood that we are called as a new creation to be a leader. And if we think of leadership as, you know, I'm going to sit down and with a notebook and teach somebody something. And that may be part of it. But if you, could, uh, if you could define leadership with one word, it would be this, influence. How many know influence is for good or evil? You ever seen somebody that can, when I was a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor for nearly nine years, and I could see how certain young people could influence almost the whole youth group for evil, or some others would do it for good, because they understood the power of leadership, and God's calling us to step into that. Think about this, Christ in you and Christ in me is the hope of glory. Oh, we call for the glory to come down, but actually the glory is within you because Christ is within you. Somebody smile at me. Y'all are giving me a look like this is weird. This is all in the Word of God, okay? Christ is in you, and Christ is in me. Therefore, the hope of glory is actually from within us. And I think he's desperately trying to get out. Amen? And to express his glory to the world. Jesus said we would live a life that is full of abundance. In other words, a life of overflowing life. Anybody want to live that kind of life? Now that we do have an enemy, he's called a thief. And what does he do? Steals kills and destroys but he made it very very clear he drew a line on this side of the line i'm giving life and i'm giving it to overflow but you have an enemy that'll take it away from if you let him do it amen and so that's the way we're living in this life jesus also prayed this he said father i pray that my joy may be in them and that my joy may be made full in them this week, that scripture, kept, that's found in the Gospel of John when Jesus prayed for us in John 17. He said that the joy would be made full. And let's be honest. 
Some of the things we need to do to get the joy of the Lord require us to do something first. For example, shout for joy. We only shout if we're joyful. It's interesting. It's okay to shout when your team scores. You could be by yourself with a beer in your hand staring at a TV and you'll shout. But if somebody asks you in the church to rise up and shout, before you feel anything, they're like, what's wrong with you guys? I'm not joyful. Do you know what I'm going through in my life? I'm so weak. Well, guess what? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? Man, I've slapped and high-fived people and almost hugged and kissed them that I didn't even know in a stadium over an event at a ball game. Right? And we come into church and people, people lead us in the worship team. He says, come on, let's lift up a shout of praise. And everybody's like, yay. We're like, please shut up, dude. I'm so tired of shouting. And the very thing you need to do is get the joy back. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Re means get your joy back. Hallelujah. You can get it back. Amen. He wants it to be full. So may I say something provocative? If we're not joyful and we're not enthusiastic and we're not passionate, something's wrong. If we're not passionate about our life's purpose, we're either in error and we're missing God or we're doing everything we do in our own strength. And I can tell you this, and I say this respectfully to all of you here. When you've been ministering as long as I have and leading worship as long as I have and doing missions trips, you can get to where you're good at what you do. But you're not doing it in the strength of the glory of God anymore. Hello? We're all guilty of that, are we not? We can just put on our little Sunday methods and do what we do. And we don't do it in the joy of the Lord. And there's an enthusiasm we need to have in our lives. And I believe what happens is we settle for a life that falls short of the glory of God. God, we're destined for glory. Do you believe that? Look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 14. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they might live no longer for themselves, but for, but for him who died and rose again on our behalf. Now look at verse 16. Therefore, everybody say therefore. In other words, understanding this. From now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, Yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, say in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Everybody look at me. You are more than merely forgiven. You are forgiven. Aren't you glad? But you're more than merely forgiven. You're literally, that means there that we are a different species. Hallelujah. We're not just the same. God, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. He didn't say you must try again. And a lot of people, they think Christianity is try again. I screw up, I repent, and I try again. And the problem is we don't know our identity. That the old stuff is passing away and something new has come. And that word behold means you've got to see it. Revelation. Say revelation. See, we're, not, we're to see what God has ordained for us. Look at 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. For as many as are the promises of God, in him, are you in him? Okay, in him they are what? Yes. Therefore also through him is our, our amen. What is amen? Our agreement with it. We're just saying, I'll have some of that. Amen? Amen? Mary said what? Be it unto me. She was amening the word of the Lord. Are you with me? Now, you already know it's a yes, so all God's saying is you come into agreement with me. Everybody still with me? But everybody read the last words to me. To the glory of God, finish it, through us. It's really not about even receiving the promise as much as it's about God getting the glory in your life. How many of you want your life to be so dynamic with the presence and glory of God that people realize God's doing something in that man's life. God's doing something in that marriage and in that family. Amen? He wants to reveal his glory through us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Psalm 78, we're not going to turn there for the sake of time, but Psalm 78 begins to speak of that rebellious generation that came out of Egypt that did not enter the promised land. We all know that. First generation didn't go in, for the most part. There were a few like Joshua and Caleb and others that held on. But for the most part, that generation had to be allowed to die off. I heard somebody say the other day, just the other day, they wandered around for 40 years trying to get in the promised land. They, no, they weren't. They weren't trying to get in the promised land. They gave up. You remember? They weren't trying to find the promised land like the exit off the freeway. They were not going to go in. And they had to die off until Joshua could rise up and Joshua and Caleb could lead them in to the promised land of God. But it says in Psalm 78, in verse 41, it said they turned back and they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. And that's the verse that so shook me that day when I heard it. I had never paid attention to it. Some translations don't say the word limit. But the, I think the King James does. And some, but it's a, he's, we're limiting God when we turn back from what he's called us to do. I don't know about you, but Jeremy asked me before the service what the title of the sermon was. And I was like, uh, 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 uh. I, I was, uh, uh, no limits. Take off the limits. Amen? I don't know what I even told you the title was. Um, sorry. God is infinite. Do we agree? Come on. God is all Mighty, do we agree? With our God, nothing is impossible. In fact, new creation out there, all things are possible to him who believes this about this God. Amen? All things are not possible with me, but they're possible if I will believe in he who with nothing is impossible. Amen? Does that make sense? And so we understand that, but we limit him through our unbelief. Think about this. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, is within you. The king's dominion is in your heart and in your life. And that's what we're to seek after and go after. His rule and reign is over and above the natural realm that we live in. His rule and reign is That's why we, the word super means over or above. So the kingdom of God is supernatural. Everybody still, still there? Your life is supposed to be supernatural. My life is to be supernatural because the kingdom is within us. Hallelujah. Anything we do in our own strength and in our own gifting, it's not evil. It's just natural. Right? Does it make sense? And it, it, it's, we could call it the glory of man. And believe me, we have no problem pl- applauding gifted men and women, do we? that sing and play ball and whatever. We don't have any problem honoring the glory of man. But I, I'm going to tell you something. There's a glory that belongs only to God. Amen? And God's called us to live in that glory. See, I want to show you something. When God anoints and begins to flow through your natural, it becomes supernatural. I've been able to play guitar since I was 10 years old. And I played in bands and stuff throughout my teen years and all that. And I'm a very average guitar player and singer. But I, I do know this, when the anointing is on me, my gift becomes very supernatural. But it's not me. It's God breathing upon me. Y'all with me? Somebody could be a great orator and a, a communicator. Uh, somebody could, whatever you do in life, if the anointing of God is on you, it, it moves from natural to supernatural. It moves from the glory of man to the glory of God. Hallelujah. What did Jesus say? Let your light shine in such a way. That men would what? See your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The Lord showed me something a while ago. Would you all agree with me that Jesus said, whatever we do unto the least of these, we're doing it unto him. Would you agree with me it's a good thing to minister to the poor if you have the means to do so, right? It's a good thing if you see somebody naked to clothe them, somebody hungry to feed them. Do we all agree? But how many of you know we can do that on our own strength and our own resources? Amen? And that doesn't, you, you, if a church did an outreach, and it, again, it's cool, we should do it. But when we do it, if you'll notice, the church or the ministry gets applause. That's such a great ministry. They, they help the homeless and all. Hear my heart. We need to do this. I'm not saying we don't need to do this. But what I'm saying is, there is another way of works that takes it to a level where men have to go, wow, that's God. Right? And that's what I'm saying the Lord wants us to do in our lives. And, but with so much times we've limited serving him to what we can do. 
And, and let's be honest, the joy leaves. The strength we need to do it. We, it's called burnout. Nobody drops out of the ministry more than pastors. Uh, I mean, out of their vocation. More than pastors. Because we're, we're the most guilty ones, are we not? Of doing what we can do in our own strength. And God's calling us to do something otherworldly. Amen? It's supernatural. First Corinthians tells us that God doesn't call many who are wise according to the flesh. Or many who are mighty or noble. But he's chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. That doesn't say he won't use somebody that's wise according to the world. But he loves to show off through people's lives that we would say, that guy's not even qualified. Right? You know, that guy's really not even that good. But man, when the Holy Ghost is on that man, there's a glory. That, right? Everybody with me? So there's hope for all of us. Amen? Smile. There's hope for all of us that God can use us and show us glory. Because the glory of man doesn't give praise to God. Mankind will, even as a golf clap, he will applaud you. Amen? When somebody knows that somebody got a healing or a breakthrough, I got news for you. They're not dancing around my feet. Even though God may have used me to minister to them, they're dancing around the fact that God has shown up here today. How many believe he's in the midst of us today? Therefore, nothing is impossible in here today. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? Now, we know God desired that first generation to come out of Egypt. He didn't want them to have to be an example that we try to learn from. He wanted them to go into the promised land, but they limited God. I was thinking the other day, in our life, we have so bought into how the world thinks. And the Bible tells us not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. See, the transformation we all want to see to enter into these new things that God has created for us is not going to happen if the mind doesn't change. Because a lot of times we just accept the way it is. I was thinking the other day, I was reading that passage about Moses. It said when he was 120 years old when he died, and his eyes had not grown dim, and his strength had not abated. One translation said he had the strength of a young man. I mean, the dude just went to heaven. I mean, we've, we've kind of sold ourselves short on even what our, our, the latter years of our life should look like. I'm believing God that I'm going to go in strength until the day the Lord takes me home. Amen. And I'm not being boastful about myself or my ability to be strong, but I believe when we understand what God is doing and and we see these type of miracles working through the men and women of God that understood God's brought me into the kingdom for such a time as this. Now, I love to read about revivals and read in the book of Acts how he worked, but I I don't want a jealousy to say to work in me to why I almost resent looking at it anymore, but I want to so celebrate what he's done and believe that he wants to do it in our generation. I believe there can be a church in the United States of America that will look like the book of Acts church. Full of the glory of God. And when they prayed, buildings shook. Hallelujah. I believe that with all of my heart. And God wants to do that again. But could we be limiting him and what he wants to do? They limited him almost immediately when the evil report came back from the ten that were not in faith. You remember? They started to say, we'll be like grasshoppers before these guys. What were they were really saying? The devil is really, really big. And we're not even sure if God's with us. That's what they were saying. And therefore they couldn't go in because they felt overwhelmed by their circumstances. The Bible doesn't say, oh, magnify the devil with me and let us complain together. The Bible says, oh, come and magnify the Lord with me and let us together exalt his name. I mean, you need to just start exalting God and magnifying him and your problem will start to look kind of small. Amen? And it really is in the long run when you look at it in the face of God. Hallelujah. So we got to be careful what we're saying. The greater one is within you. Y'all know the verse. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. But how many know when you're under it, it's hard to even think that way, isn't it? And that's why we need to catch what we're doing. Here's the bottom line. Here's what I heard the Lord say to me. It is rebellion to stay in a dry place. It is rebellion to stay there. Everybody look at me. We're always going to go through dry places. Amen? The first stop out of Egypt was the wilderness, right? There's always going to be that. But the problem is you never were intended to stay there. You were intended to grow and go through it. Susan and I have a refrigerator magnet. If you don't understand the message, you might get offended at it. You might think it's a little crass or something. But it says on the refrigerator, and we still have it, it says, If you're going through hell, keep going. It was Winston Churchill. If you're going through hell, don't quit looking for the book of Winston Churchill in your Bible. It's not there. Stop. 
But what's the point? If you're in the middle of something, why do you want to stay there and celebrate it? Amen? Just keep going. Hallelujah. Are y'all with me? Somebody needed that today. Hallelujah. Look at Psalm 68. My wife brought a word to our house about a year ago from this psalm. And it was so powerful that I've decided to plagiarize her teaching for the rest of my life. Psalm 68, verse 4. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Lift up a song for him who rides. Say that word. Through the deserts. Please get that. God doesn't come and camp out in your desert and bring a box of Kleenex because you're going to need it. If you're following the breaker, he's going before you. Amen? Come on, are y'all with me? His name is the Lord, and we are to exalt before him. Oh, don't you love his heart that's just shown here? He is a father to the fatherless. He's a judge for the widows. Is God in his holy habitation. God makes a home for the lonely. Is he a good God? Amen. He, he leads the prisoners. I love this one. He leads the prisoners into prosperity. Would anybody be like to lead into prosperity? Every hand should have gone up. So I'm going to give you another chance. Is there anybody in here that would like to be led into prosperity? Thank you. Hallelujah. Y'all are getting nervous. Because, you know, we didn't take the offering up a minute ago. I know it's getting ready to happen. Say the next part of the verse with me. Finish it. Only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you have ever stayed in a parched land way too long? Right? We've done it, right? And it's rebellion. And I'm not trying to rebuke you, but I am. It's rebellion. I'm not trying to. It's just the word will. And it rebuked, it, it rebuked me. We've all been there. To dwell in a parched place. Why? Because we're refusing the supernatural kingdom to come to work to bring us through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a verse in Isaiah. We're not going to turn there, but I, I, I was getting it in worship a lot. It was just saying, don't ponder the things of the past. You know, God's going to do a new thing. We know that verse, right? But it goes on to say, you know, I'm going to do a new thing. Will you be aware of it? You know, in other words, will you see what I'm showing you and, and all of that? But then it says, for I will make a roadway in the wilderness and bring rivers to the desert. In your driest of places, God will get a drink to you. Amen? But I also want you to know something. He's got a road grader. He's got a road grader, and he wants to come in right in the middle of your... He didn't build a roadway there just to say, what a pretty road. It's your way out of that parched place. Amen? Are y'all with me? Hallelujah. Go to 2 Corinthians 2. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. But thanks be to God who always leads us in... Say it. Triumph in Christ and manifests... There it is again. Through us, the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in church on Sunday. No, in every place. God intends that when you and I go into any place or any situation, we release an aroma. Amen? How many of you know, have you ever hugged somebody and now their cologne's on you for the rest of the day? They have no idea about limits. Right? Man, I've gone home with glitter on me and, and smelling like 18 different women just because I went to church. Are y'all with me? The other day I got a Coke from McDonald's and I could smell the girl's cologne that gave me the Coke. It was on the cup. And I threw a Diet Coke out the window. I just don't do that. I can't stand that smell. Anyway. How do you know we ought to smell like who we've been with? Amen. There's an aroma of Christ. Some of us don't think it can be in our homes, but it can if we understood what God wants to do. But you've got to be convinced of something no matter what you're going through. It doesn't say he sometimes leads you into triumph. He always, but that also means you don't triumph unless you had something to overcome. Some of us check out at the overcoming part. I just don't understand this. This is supposed to be abundant life. And I, why are there devils and demons? And why, you know, why do we have an enemy? 
We got to be really, really careful. I don't know whose voice that was I just did, but we need to be really careful because what, we'll, we'll miss the fact that he, Jesus is saying, if you're following me, we're going through. Amen. And we're going over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's okay to be loud. Uh oh, there's a lot of quiet people that are going to be shocked in heaven. Read the book of Revelation. They're going to be, it sounds like the many waters. Hallelujah. Like a tumult, like a thunderstorm. The praises of God in heaven. Hebrews 4, verse 1. Look at that. Therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Guys, we all know we can hear a good word, but we can fall short of it. We can fall short of what God wants to do. Now let's go to Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able, say he's able, to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works where within us to him be the glory where in the church does he want to show his glory in new life does he amen and in Christ Jesus and here's the proof because a lot of people would try to argue with me well that was the early church well what do you do with this to all generations forever and ever, I think that covers us. I mean, you know, the world would be flocking to the church if there was glory there. And here's the thing, we're the ones not releasing it. It's not that God won't sweep it into the room. We're not releasing it. The power working through us, it says in that same epistle, is the same power that raised Jesus from the grave. I got news for you. There is no greater power than when something's dead, that power comes on it and it lives. There's no greater power in all the world. That is creative power to bring something alive that's dead. Would you agree? There is no greater power than that. That surpasses greatness. And that power is what works within us. So power is not the issue. It's the limits we're placing on that power. Our asking and our thinking is limiting or releasing the power of God in our lives. Y'all receive that? So what do we do? We need to renew our minds. We need to enlarge our hearts and receive a fresh spirit of faith. I love what David said, this man after God's heart. He said, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in thy sight. How many of you have heard that before? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing, O Lord, in thy sight. Let me ask you this question. How is your thinking? How is your thinking? How is your, the meditations? Of, what do you meditate on? What do you dream about? Right? Our desire is seen in our pursuit. People say you desire God when you'll pursue Him. How is your speaking, your words? What are you decreeing? What are you confessing? What are you, what are you declaring? What are you prophesying over your life and over your children and over your family? Because, see, here's the thing out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How many of you ever said something and you said this afterwards? I don't know where that came from. You know what I'm talking about? You embarrassed yourself and you went, where did that come from? Your heart? Right? I mean, I've never done that. I've heard it's really embarrassing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are we pursuing and decreeing God's purposes? One thing I did hear that day from uh, Andrew Womack, he said, he said, he, he was telling everybody in the congregation, he goes, this life is not a dress rehearsal. This is the real thing. This is real. It's not a dress rehearsal. We're not just practicing. This is real. We have a real enemy, but we also have a real God who's with us. And I love what it says about David. David was laid to rest after he served the purposes of God in his generation. I've often thought I would love to have that on my tombstone. Here lies Rick Bennett. He served God's purpose. Wouldn't you like that to be written about you? I serve God's purposes in my generation. That's that accountability to what we call for a time such as this. We need to take off the limits. Amen? It's going to require us, though, to do some things to make that happen. And the key is very paradoxical. Even Jesus said, you try to hold on to your life, you'll lose it. 
But if you lay it down, you'll find life. How many know that's true? And, and, and he said, you've got to lay down your life and be willing to take up the cross and follow after me. Paul expanded upon it and said, I'm finding out I've got to die daily so that I can really live. I mean, it's paradoxical because it sounds like a lot of death and a lot of suffering. But what it's actually saying is that's the only way to enter into the life that he has for you is to live for him who died for you. And when we begin to do that, we'll see the supernatural begin to come in. Let's be honest. A lot of our lives are superficial instead of supernatural. And I believe God's calling us to that. And it, again, I want to tell you, it's not to make you frustrated. He's not trying to frustrate you when you hear a testimony of what God's doing over here or over there. God's trying to show you what he's able to do so that we would begin to contend for those things in the earth. I believe God, some of the miracles we hear about in some third world countries, God wants to do it here. Amen? And he wants to do it there. And he wants to do it in your generation. He wants to do it in your church. And I believe God wants to show his glory again. And we'll begin to live for him. Y'all know this verse well. I have been crucified with Christ, right? It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. In other words, that's the way I want to live. How many know this is the way we're supposed to live? And that's a way that takes the limits off so that God's glory and power can shine through our lives. The Lord spoke to me the other day. We're starting to embrace the understanding of fasting. Now, fasting is abstaining. And it's not just food. But how many know, we're supposed to hear the voice of God, but we're going to have to shut some things down to hear God. Amen? we gotta, we got to fast from some things. we got to abstain from some, the noise of life. Did you know the cares of life and the parable of the sower, it was the cares of life that choked out the word of God. And so we've, we've got to do that. But here's the problem. If you just fast from things and shut off things, it actually can become quite bondage and legalistic and very religious. Because you've got to also feed on the right thing. The word of God, the testimonies, getting into the presence of God. As you feed upon and cultivate his faithfulness in your life, you will begin to find faithfulness rising up in you. And it's because we learn. So how many know fasting is good, but to fast and then not run after God, you might as well eat. Right? I mean, you know, to to say you're going to shut these things out of your life, but then you don't go press into God and incline your ear to him. It's, you're missing the point. You're just kind of performing, hoping, well, because I fasted, God's going to do something. I mean, you know, that kind of presentation of fasting, that's why it's, it's, it's bondage. It doesn't lead to the breakthrough. So if you're going to fast in something, and I, and I think there's times God will say, I need you to stop that and put that away and cut that off from your life. Also understand, he's, he's beckoning and calling you to come feed on something better. And I don't care what's going on in your life. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord on me to say this to you. I don't care what's going on in your life. You could be in the middle of the enemy just in your face. The Lord will prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemy. There's always a table of the Lord there. Amen? God is not intimidated. If the devil was camped on your front porch, he will come and he will set up a banquet on your front porch right in the devil's face. But we have to feed at that table. Are y'all getting this? We have to feed at that table to be able to grow. It's about being consecrated to the purposes of God. You received that this morning. Okay. I, um, I'm going to, uh, for those of you doing the passages, I'm going to jump ahead. Uh, for just a minute, I'm not going to do the First Thessalonians. I do want to do the Zephaniah verse to end. Um, but there's something the Lord showed me about an attitude we have to have in the last days. And you can go back and read First Thessalonians 5 because it talks about how we're to prepare ourselves to live as a people for the day of the Lord. Would you be honest and just realize that, guys, we're closer to the day of the Lord than anybody's ever lived. You don't have to be spiritual to know that. We're closer than ever. So some of these things that were telling us how to live life as the children of God before the day of the Lord shall come. And remember what he said? The day of the Lord's going to come to many like a thief in the night. But to those of us in the light, he won't be like a thief. Not to us. Think about that. But we do live with an awareness he's coming soon. And, he, and, he, and he's coming in a time we would not know. In other words, we would quite be surprised by it, but not in a bad way. I mean, if I hear a, a window break in my downstairs in my house, that's scary, right? But if I give you the key and you're just coming over, that's okay, right? But there's a way in understanding how we even approach that. But then he says something, and I, and I remember it bore witness with my heart that, that people didn't really understand it. He said this, rejoice in the Lord always. So that means no matter what's going on, right? Rejoice. So that means it's a choice to have the joy of the Lord even when nothing else makes sense.
pray what without ceasing okay so rejoice pray without ceasing in not for in everything give thanks now i don't praise god for something evil but in the midst of something evil coming against me i don't quit giving thanks to the lord because i know this the lord's going to take everything in my life and work it for good i may not understand how it's going to work but i know god's working it for good amen that's what it means to give thanks and everything. I, I don't have to stop giving thanks because something came into my life. Now, I'm not perfect at it. I'm, I'm like any of you when something, you know, you, you just feel like you stepped in front of a bus. You know what I mean? Like you didn't see it coming. And it can be startling. But learning to give thanks. And then he says this. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Not what you're going through. What God's will for you in Christ Jesus is, is no matter what your circumstances are, you're rejoicing, you're praying, and you're giving thanks. Amen? In the good times and the bad times, I'm rejoicing, I'm not going to stop praying, and I'm going to always give thanks to the Lord. Because that's the sacrifice of praise, giving thanks unto his name. Amen? Heard a minister in South Memphis years ago say this, giving the sacrifice of praise is praising God on credit. Amen? You know he's good. I may not have it yet, but I know he's promised it. Are y'all getting that? Uh, if you got to praise him on credit, that's some of the most powerful praise you can bring. When your life's falling apart, you just start to worship God. You start to praise his holy name. Are y'all with me? That's the way to live. And he goes on to say, though, don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophetic utterances. Hold fast to that which is good and abstain from every form of evil. Amen. Hold on to those words. Hold on to those prophetic words. Those testimonies of what God has done. You might say, I don't have one. Open the Bible and get one. Amen. Read of the miracles of God and just praise Him. Say, Lord, I know you're going to do this in our midst. You're going to do this very thing in our midst. And I'm just going to praise you for it. Praise you before I ever see it. Amen. And it brings us to that breakthrough. A verse the Lord spoke to me about. I think I was a youth pastor, so that was the black hair days, kind of black hair. Mullet days and mustache days, man. Whew. What do you think, Haley? Are you okay? Those were the days. <laughs> the Lord spoke a verse, and I'm going to show this last verse to you. That's not where the scriptures are. Where are they? Over here. All right, look here. It will come about at that time. That I will search Jerusalem with lamps. And I will punish the men who are stagnant in spirit. Now how many of you know, we certainly know here in the south, what a stagnant pond looks like, right? Right? I mean, the summertime is so thick, you know, bugs are walking across the top of it, right? They don't even have to fly, right? Sometimes I think people go, I don't think Jesus was walking on a stagnant pond that day, but anyway. But y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Why is it stagnant? It's not moving. It's hot. It's humid. There's not a breeze anywhere. It's just, uh, yuck. Amen? Nobody would want to go, you know, I just want to take my shirt off and jump in. Right? But what are we supposed to have flowing in us? Rivers. You'll never see a stagnant river. You might see a dried up one. You'll never see a stagnant because if there's water there, guess what? It's flowing. And if it's flowing, it's fresh and it's moving. And can I tell you today, would you, could we all be honest and say we have times when we struggle with being stagnant? Do we not? We just get stagnant. We just feel like nothing's moving in my heart. And the Bible does not say, have your pastor stir you up. The Bible says you stir your gift. Amen? Stir it up. Put some praise on your mouth, amen? And, and, and begin to declare the word of the Lord and, and make a move. You can take a stagnant pond and it won't be stagnant if you jump in and splash around. It's kind of yucky, but you can do it, right? But the real definition is found in the verse. And I think we've all been guilty of this. Let's, let's look at it. Who, what is a stagnant spirit in the, in the heart of a man or woman? What does it say? In our heart we say what? Say it. The Lord will not do good or evil. Wow. You know, none of us in here would probably say the Lord's doing evil things, right? I, I would hope we've matured enough and been taught enough to know that. But how many know it's just as wrong 
to just act like he's not doing anything. It's called lukewarmness. It's called apathy. Amen? Lethargy. It's that, it's that being in neutral. And, you know, a lot of times, let's be honest, that's why some worship services are off the hook and some are not. Stagnant spirits. People don't come with an expectancy of what God wants to do. But you know what? Beyond today, God wants you to live with a flowing spirit on Monday and on Tuesday. Amen? God wants you to flow every day of your life, not just to, to flow in here and then, and then go back out to think, well, God's not going to do anything today. I can't wait till next Sunday. That's not the life he's called us to live. But he has called us to be a people that have an expectancy. Our Lord is up to something, and it's good. Amen? And you just got to stir your heart. I didn't put the verses to put up on the wall, but later on, the Lord, in that same prophetic book, in, uh, along about chapter 3, the Lord speaks to the remnant. Say the remnant. That, the, the remnant is, is not the leftovers. The remnant is those that are still holding on to what God promised. Amen. Literally, we get the word from those that remain. They're steadfast. Say steadfast. Didn't you, didn't you teach on that recently? Last week. Good job. Good setup. Get that message. He'll sell you a copy of it for $19.95 right now. The, the, <laughs> what was I saying? The step, yeah, but what was I saying? I'm totally, oh, the remnant. He said to the remnant, Here's what he said to them. Hallelujah. I promise we're approaching the runway to land. Okay? Here's what he said. He gave them instructions. Get this. Shout for joy. Shout in triumph. Interesting, our worship today led to shouting. Did you catch that? Shout for joy in triumph. Get this. Do not let your hands fall limp. I mean, no, you're really not into it. The hardest thing to do is raise those hands. Come on. It's really hard to shout. It's really hard to raise those hands. I mean, sometimes you got this kind of a day. Everybody says, well, just shout hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah. That's the best you can do, right? And, and, and I thought today, I was just thinking, I have had more breakthroughs in my life and, and gotten the river flowing in my heart more by just obeying God. And just, if you don't know what to shout, shout Hallelujah. Amen? And do it at the top of your life. It unhinges something. You break out of barrenness with the shout. You break out. You silence the enemy with your shout. It's all through the word of God. Joy comes when you shout. Amen? And we've got to quit being a people that only shout after the miracle. We've got to be a people that shout in faith. And lift up God. And here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. For the Lord is in your midst. A victorious warrior, and he rejoices over you. Did you know Jesus sings over his brethren? Hello? Did you know that? He sings over you. The names of God, it's in Hebrews. The Lord sings over you, he rejoices over you. How dare us not rejoice over him? Amen? And if we really believe he's in our midst, every time there would be a man of God that wasn't doing what God called him to do, almost the first thing the angel of the Lord would always say, like Gideon. He came to Gideon in the wine press, and he said, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Everybody look at me. The Lord is with you. And in you is a valiant warrior. Amen? But you've got to believe the Lord is with you. And you've got to be willing to shout. You've got to be willing to lift up those hands and declare it. And move out of stagnancy into what God's called. Take off the limits that God has. How many believe God has a great harvest for this community? Amen? And beyond. I believe that with all of my heart. It's going to be a remnant that's going to contend for it. And we're going to see that move of God. Because I believe the Lord is in our midst today. The last thing he said, that, I love this part. He said, he will be quiet in his love over you. Because sometimes even after you stirred your heart up, you need to learn how to be still. You need to learn and, and let the love of God wash over you. Because again, where we started today, if you don't believe you're loved, it's really hard to be in faith. And what happens is fear gains a stronghold in your heart because you don't think God cares. And Jesus' own disciples, last example, they're going across the lake in a boat that he told them to get in and go. 
So they had a word, right? They were obeying the Lord. Jesus curls up on a cushion in the bow of the boat and goes to sleep. The storm gets so bad halfway there that those disciples thought they were going to die. And they wake up the Lord, but hear what they say. Lord, do you not care that we are perishing? Have you ever prayed something like that before? Hello? Lord, where are you? I don't understand why this happened, right? And Jesus, he did rebuke them, but he didn't really even address that. He rebuked them for their little faith. And he rebuked the storm, and the the storm calmed down. But it was a teaching moment for them. And we've all been there. And I believe today the Lord wants to do something to, to, to release the waters again. And in the beginning, because if you don't get a flow going, I believe with all my heart, God is up to good. He's up to something good and up to something powerful. And I believe we're going to see a greater glory in the church at the end than even at the beginning, according to prophetic scripture. I believe the glory of the latter house will be greater. Do y'all believe that? I believe that with all of my heart. And it's not like we're inviting him to come. He's here. He's in our midst. Would you stand up with me? Hallelujah.